Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. A special master to review the documents. Separate out what's privileged and not privileged. That's a setback for federal prosecutors. Well, I can't imagine being indicted. I've done nothing wrong. Using migrants as political pawns. Busing illegal immigrants. Dumped like human garbage. We're going to continue to support Ukraine's military for as long as it takes. Queen Elizabeth. Thousands lining up. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Welcome in. News and Views for a Friday. Uh, I hope we can get it all in in an hour. It's going to be a challenge. The mourners to pass by and see the casket of Queen Elizabeth draped in a flag is uh, 30 hours long five miles long they have actually called it now a queue and they have said okay stop lining up we can't accommodate you all uh we'll let you know when you can come line up again for a second queue but uh what a testament to uh queen elizabeth people wanting to just see the casket for the last time uh the funeral takes place on monday Interesting news out concerning the direction of the midterm elections. Now, according to Punchbowl News, they've got a couple of stories out. Yesterday, they had a story out. Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, along with Jim Clyburn, all came out and said, oh, we're confident. We're going to keep the House. We're going to keep the House. Uh, Interestingly, last night... Chuckles the Clown Schumer was in a restaurant, an Italian restaurant, enjoying some uh, good Italian wine, (laughs) getting a little uh, loud perhaps. Apparently, it was easy to hear him over the crowd noise, as many of the patrons uh, noted, that he rather loudly was talking about the fact that Nancy Pelosi will no longer be the Speaker of the House after the midterms. I will do anything. Now, Nancy's already lined up another gig. If she can't be the Speaker of the House, she wants to go over and enjoy some Italian wine in Italy. She wants to be the ambassador to Italy. But uh, Chuckles said that he basically gives the Democrats a 60% chance of uh, retaining the Senate, but only a 40% chance of retaining the House. But what's interesting about that is just today, there is new polling out at a lot of these Senate races, which we've said this all along as the polls go back and forth. But for example, Ron Johnson, there have been recent polling out saying Ron Johnson up in the state of Wisconsin is behind by seven percentage points. This new interactive poll came out just today has him up by one point, has Johnson up with the independent vote by up by eight points. Um, In the governor's race, the uh, Republican Governor Evers is up by one point. I I wouldn't say Evers is a strong conservative. He is a Republican. But in other races that people said, ah, this is really too close to call, um, Marco Rubio, and of course DeSantis in Florida is, is, uh, has been up consistently and still up by six percentage points. And again, you know, you, when you talk about these numbers, six percentage points doesn't sound like a lot. In an election, it's a landslide. 
But in the Senate race, Marco Rubio, who some people said, oh, I don't know if he's going to win, uh, they have him up by three percentage points in Florida over uh, Val Demings. So it is, uh, it is tightening up, and Ohio J.D. Vance is up by three percentage points over Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan, by the way, he's as bad as uh, Joe Biden is in terms of coming after MAGA Republicans and calling them despicable and fascist. I mean, he's just he's falling right in line behind Joe Biden. Uh, again, Ron Johnson is up in um, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, the generic poll by the Trafalgar Group. And this is really interesting because you have heard over and over and over again that amongst the generic polling, and by the way, Trafalgar, they were the ones in 2016 who, who said basically in uh, mid-October, they were the polling group that came out and said, look out, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump is catching up and catching up quickly. Well, they now have in a generic poll, and, and again, the Democrats have been ahead in every generic poll for the last 90 days. They have the GOP up by six percentage points, six percentage points, 47.9% to 42.2%, a 9.9% undecided, supposedly. So, you know, all this talking about uh, how it's, it's neck and neck, it's been a lot of talk, but not so much. Speaking of the Trafalgar poll, uh, one of the guys, one of the, the, the uh, principals in that, uh, one of the head honchos, Robert Kahale, he's got an interesting take on this. He really thinks that the polling that we have seen, it, it's getting harder and harder to go through the numbers and come up with a firm outcome. And he says this is so because of what people like Joe Biden are doing vilifying the Republicans, the conservative Trump supporters, and what you see happening with the FBI, going after people like Mike Lindell, what we saw down at Mar-a-Lago. And his thought is that as a result of that, you're going to have a lot of Republicans that are going to vote conservative in the midterm elections who are keeping a very, very low profile. That is how much distrust he thinks is going on, that they don't even want to answer polling questions for fear that the FBI is going to come knock on their door and say, uh, we need to talk to you. I mean, and basically he came out and said, okay, if you have a Trump flag out in front of your uh, house or if you're flying a, you know, don't tread on me flag, the Gadsden flag, <laughs> you, 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 these people are, you know, they are conservative, but um, they don't want the FBI knocking on their door. That's how far out of kilter the FBI has gotten. Donald Trump said yesterday, in fact, he thinks that he will not be indicted. You heard Clark play that at the uh, bumper at the beginning of the program. He didn't think he'd be in, in, uh, indicted. And uh, he said, I can't imagine why. I've done nothing wrong. And we have seen the Democrats over and over again. I mean, how many times have they done this? Two impeachments while he was president. We had the Mueller investigation. We had the day he was inaugurated in 2017, that January. We had the Washington Post 
calling for his impeachment the day he was inaugurated. Uh, how many times is this guy going to be pulled through the ringer? And again, what is this, like the sixth, seventh time? But uh, he says, you know, I've done nothing wrong. I don't see why I would be indicted. And you know what? I think the American people are going to know the truth. I think ultimately they, they will not stand for these hoaxes. Now, he, his, his exact quote is, Donald Trump said, they will not sit still and stand for this um, ultimate of hoaxes. Now, now, believe it or not, now, again, you got to take that in the context in which it was asked. He was on with Hugh Hewitt. And Hugh Hewitt was asking him what he thought about, you know, what, what the future would hold for him, what his presidential aspirations would be in light of what's going on. And he said they will not sit still and stand for this um, ultimate of hoaxes. And the liberal media has taken that statement and they are running with it to the point that they are now saying again, oh, is Donald Trump, is, is he promoting violence is he encouraging his followers to take up arms against the government? I, I cannot, <laughs> I am not kidding you. That is what, that, that is how they are rehashing that simple statement that was given in the context of will your, will your supporters support you if you run for president? And he's saying, look, they're not going to fall for this stuff. And from that, they're basically saying, oh, here you go. He's promoting another insurrection. Can't make it up. Speaking of politics, uh, we mentioned yesterday that the latest polling on the Ted Budd race, and of course uh, yesterday Mitch McConnell came out, and I think it was $3.4 million he's going to dump into the Ped, uh, Ted Budd campaign, uh, PAC, PAC uh, expenditures. And uh, of course Donald Trump will be here a week from today down in Wilmington, campaigning and uh, doing a rally for Ted Budd. But uh, something that might be, uh, again, in Ted Budd's favor, not, not so much uh, in Cher Cherry Beasley's favor, Senate Republicans' campaign arm is hitting Beasley for her former law firm's work on behalf of Massage Envy. It was a chain faced with allegations that some of its therapists sexually assaulted their clients. Beasley, a former North Carolina Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice, is running against Bud, of course. A digital ad put together by the National Republican Senatorial Committee accuses Beasley of defending the chain in her work for the firm McGuire Woods. Beasley is listed as a counsel for Massage Envy in an appeal on one of the cases dated May 5th, 2021, as a part of the firm. She withdrew as counsel on May 31st of the same year, court documents show. The work is disclosed on her financial disclosure report, listing Massage Envy franchising as a McGuire Woods client, saying the work was to assist on an appeal of a procedural ruling. More than 100 women have accused the therapist Massage Envy locations across the country of sexual assault. I, now I, I will actually say this is, this is not good for Beasley. I mean, it's not going to help her cause. I think it's a little bit of a stretch to uh, somehow indict Beasley with uh, with charges based on who she was representing as a as an attorney. Speaking of which, um, well, you know, I don't have time to read it right now. I, but when we, we're going to go to break here in a second, and but when I come back, I have got an article, and, and I don't know the the name of the author of this article, but it was an attorney, and. 
Um, stay with us because I want to read you this article. It is uncanny how many lawyers have run for office as Democrats as compared to Republicans. Stay with us. We'll go. We'll get to that when we get back after this uh, quick timeout. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighborhood. First thing you should do after work. I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Benny. Gotta know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard. Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. Don't hear everywhere else. For the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. It let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news source is News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. And taking a quick look at your weekend weather forecast. Tonight, clear skies, a low of 54. Tomorrow, mainly sunny, high of 83. Tomorrow night, a low of 61 with clear skies. And more sunshine on Sunday with a high of 85. A perfect a perfect weekend for North Carolina. Get out and enjoy it. Uh, this came from a friend of mine who I trust, and I you know, read through it. I, I don't know who the author is of this, but I do know he was an attorney. And uh, if somebody out there knows who wrote this, let me know. But he writes, as an attorney, I hesitated to forward this as it could be considered to be an indictment against my profession. But I believe there is much truth to this. Very thought-provoking. Lawyers are adversarial and are trained to win at all costs. Trying to win at all costs creates the polarization and hatred that now fills our country and leaves no room for common sense or legitimate debate. Every Democrat presidential nominee since 1984 went to law school. Although Gore did not graduate, Joe Biden, no surprise, was at the bottom of the class. Every Democrat vice president nominee since 1976, except for Lloyd Benson, went to law school. Barack Obama was a lawyer. Michelle Obama was a lawyer. Hillary Clinton was a lawyer. Bill Clinton was a lawyer. John Edwards was a lawyer. Elizabeth Edwards was a lawyer. Look at the leaders of the Democrat Party in Congress. Chuck Schumer is a lawyer. Harry Reid was a lawyer. The Republican Party is different, the writer says. Trump was a businessman. The two Bushes were businessmen. Cheney was a businessman. Eisenhower was a five-star general. The leaders of the Republican Revolution, Newt Gingrich, was a history professor. Tom DeLay was an exterminator. Dick Armey was an economist. Ex-House Minority Leader John Boehner was a plastics manufacturer. The former Senate Majority Leader Bill Frist, Frist is a heart surgeon. Who was the last Republican president who was a lawyer? Gerald Ford, who left office 31 years ago, who barely won the Republican nomination as a sitting president, running against actor Ronald Reagan in 1976. The Republican Party is made up of real people doing real work who are often the targets of lawyers. This is rather interesting. I've never thought about it this way before. The Democrat Party is made up of lawyers, Democrats mock and scorn men who create wealth like Trump, Bush, and Cheney, or who heal the sick like Frist, or who immerse themselves in history like Gingrich. The Lawyers' Party sees these sorts of people who provide goods and services that people want as the enemies of America. And so, in the eyes of the Lawyers' Party, we have seen the procession of official, official enemies grow, against whom do Hillary and Obama rail, pharmaceutical companies, oil companies, hospitals, manufacturers, fast food restaurants, chains, large retail businesses, bankers, and anyone producing anything of value in our nation. Now, this is really interesting. Pay attention to this. 
The United States has 5% of the world's population and 66% of the world's lawyers. Tort or legal reform legislation has been introduced in Congress several times in the last several years to limit punitive damages in ridiculous lawsuits, such as spilling hot coffee on yourself and suing the establishment that sold it to you, and also to limit punitive damages in large medical malpractice lawsuits. This legislation has been blocked from every, ever being voted on by the Democrat Party. When you see that 97% of the political contributions from the American Trial Lawyers Associations goes to the Democrat Party, you realize who is responsible for our medical and product costs being so high. Well written. Uh, someone who is, is Corinne Jean-Pierre, is she an attorney? I don't think she could pass law school. Um, she struggled. She struggled yesterday big time. This is cut one, Clark. Struggled big time yesterday trying to answer a very simple question. Now, of course, yesterday the news that we talked about, and I'm going to cover a little bit more, Ron DeSantis uh, flying those 50 illegal immigrants to Martha's, Martha's Vineyard. Uh, a question came after Kamala Harris said during the news show over the weekend that the border is secure. Now, what is most notable about this question uh, most notable, frankly, that's sort of going under the radar about this dialogue between Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre and this reporter is the reporter is from NBC News, mainstream media. And finally, we have some mainstream. It's finally someone other than Peter Ducey of Fox News is asking these questions and following up. You know, so often you have these mainstream news reporters, they'll, they'll ask a question and someone like Corinne Jean-Pierre or Jen Shockey will um, answer the question and uh, give some lame answer, and the mainstream media will just sit there, nod their head, and they won't ask a follow-up. Uh, this person actually asks some follow-ups. So the question is, uh, you know, is, is the border secure? And this answer might get into the Guinness World Record book for the most stammering by a White House press secretary in the history of U.S. politics. Does the White House stand by those comments that the border is secure? What we stand by is that we are doing everything that we can uh, to make sure that, um, uh, that we follow the process that's been put forth. That, that's why we have uh, historic funding uh, to do just that, to make sure that um, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, to make sure that um, to make sure that uh, the folks that we encounter at the border be removed uh, or expelled. And again, the facts are more individuals encountered at the border will be removed or expelled this year than in any previous year. Is the border secure? I, I'm just going to refer back to the vice president. We agree with her. She is saying that there's a lot of work to do, right? She also said that in that very statement. We agree that uh, the border is secure, but there is still more work to be done. The question becomes how you can make that argument when all DHS has said it's bracing for these potentially two million migrants to come. We'll say this, rebuilding the immigration system, uh, especially one that was decimated under the previous administration, won't, won't happen overnight. But we're doing the work uh, to make sure that, uh, uh, that, uh, that we remove and expel uh, folks who are coming here, um, uh, who are being encountered uh, at the border. So we need to do it in a humane way. We need to do it in a safe way. 
and as we have repeatedly said, a long-term solution can only come from a comprehensive legislation that brings lasting reform to a fundamentally broken system. We understand that. And that's why we continue to call on Congress uh, to, to also act. And what we're seeing Republicans doing, uh, elected officials using, uh, using migrants as a pawn, uh, is not the way to move forward on this. That was a word salad that even Kamala Harris would be proud of. <laughs> uh, uh, and by the way, I did not edit that. <laughs> that, that, was, that was all on Corrine Jean-Pierre. And she said they inherited a broken system. The only way you can conclude that the border was broken under Trump would be to define a working border as one that is totally porous. I mean, apparently, if, if it's broken, you can't get through if it's fixed, it's wide open. That obviously must be the definition of Jean-Pierre. And then to come out and say, and well, if you just vote for our liberal policies, when it comes to immigration, we wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> yeah, because, because if you voted for their legislation, there wouldn't be such thing, there wouldn't be a, such a, a thing as a border or an illegal Im- immigrant. In, in other words, if you just make crime legal, then we wouldn't have any problems. We wouldn't have prisons that are full. We wouldn't have anybody committing crimes because nope. there wouldn't be any crime related to crime. <laughs> That's how they think. So yesterday we talked long and hard about uh, the whole Martha's Vineyard immigrant, uh, you know, 50 immigrants getting up to Martha's Vineyard, which uh, is a uh, island of about 17,000. By the way, I, there was a map on uh, one of the websites today, and there are enough empty vacation homes up there right now that every immigrant that flew into Martha's Vineyard could have their own house. I mean, there were more than 50 empty vacation homes available right now, today. And these, these pompous – can I say pompous ass? I guess I can say that one. These pompous – liberals on Martha's Vineyard who want to come across as so compassionate. What did they do? They uh, took the 50 immigrants, packed them on buses, and and, uh, sent them to a uh, military base, Joint Base Cape Cod military base, where they will be given new shelter. And uh, these, these people feel... Very, very proud of themselves. They, they're still, you know, as long as they feel good about themselves, as long as they think of themselves as compassionate, that's all. It doesn't, you don't really have to follow it up with action. You just have to, you know, think of yourself as compassionate and caring and just keep pointing the fingers at conservatives and just tell them how, you know, tell yourself how bad they are and how good you are. Uh, some examples of liberals. This out of town hall. I mean, you know, the, the Democrats, they, they, you know, dump out the platitudes to themselves and, you know, pat themselves on the back. They've got to buy an extra can of Bengay just to take care of their muscles that they pull when they pat themselves on the back. Lori Lightfoot, a.k.a. Beetlejuice, the radical politician will proudly make sure, this radical uh, politician talking of herself, this 
radical politician will proudly make sure that Chicago remains a welcoming sanctuary city for all the hardworking immigrants and refugees who have made our city one of the best in the world. She said that February 5th, 2020. She went on to say on September, well, prior to that, she said on September 30th, 2019, we believe protecting immigrant and refugee communities is a moral imperative and we're proud to be the first school district in the country to issue sanctuary schools guidance and prohibits ICE agents on school grounds without a criminal warrant. She said that uh, September 30th, 2019. And um, she also said, quite frankly, it's very un-American to treat people with the dignity or respect shown by Governor Abbott, governor of Texas, as a city and a state, we've provided housing, food, resources for these families, but this is a national emergency. We need greater collaboration to stop this madness. She said that on September 13th, 2022. And of course, now she has taken uh, a number of buses and taken these immigrants and not just put them out into Cook County, but she actually pushed them two counties over to a small town that has less ability to accommodate these people than the city of Chicago has. Uh, Mayor Mariel Bowser from Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., she said in 2018, is a sanctuary city. We protect the rights and humanity of all our residents, and our D.C. values and our local culture are guided by a celebration of diversity and inclusivity. Now, she said that in 2018, and what does she do in 2022? If you come in and you're an illegal immigrant, we're going to bust you out. This is exactly what she did. Eric Adams out of New York City. He said in 2021, we should protect our immigrants, period. Yes, New York City will remain a sanctuary city under an Adams administration. But then Adams swung the door open to illegal immigrants as a sanctuary, and then he cried for help. Declaring, a nas- uh, declaring an emergency, asking for military help and federal help when the immigrants arrived. Now, I- I- again, these cities are getting a fraction, just a small fraction of what these border towns in Arizona and Texas are getting. Yeah, well, the, the, one of the good news is, uh, apparently, as I played that uh, clip from Jean-Pierre, the good news is... Um, it's starting to make news. The mainstream media can't continue to ignore it. They'll continue to vilify Republicans. Uh, as CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, they are vilifying DeSantis and, and Abbott. Uh, I don't think either one of them care. And quite frankly, uh, of course, Abbott's not up for re-election. DeSantis is, and his numbers continue to grow. PJ Media is reporting current and former FBI agents have come forward saying the Biden administration is deliberately exaggerating the danger posed by white supremacists. Surprise, surprise. I mean, we've said this for the last couple of years, that this is so overblown by liberals and by certain people in the FBI. When they come out and they say it's white supremacists, that are causing the problems. Now, are these white supremacists that burned down our cities in the summer of love back in 2020? I don't think so. Now, I'm not saying there's not white supremacy there. There is, but it is, it, it, it's a, a blip on the radar at best. The FBI claimed that, high, the, these whistleblowers claimed that high-ranking FBI officials 
were pressuring field agents to fabricate domestic terrorism cases and label people as white supremacists in order to meet internal metrics. In other words, they were saying, oh, this is a problem, and so we got to go find some cases to support what we're saying. The demand for white supremacy coming from the FBI brass vastly outstrips the supply of white supremacy, one agent told the Washington Times. We have more people assigned to investigate white supremacists than we can actually find. The FBI agent who requested anonymity in order to discuss internal bureau politics said the top FBI officials have already determined that white supremacy is a problem and established a policy to prioritize investigations into radically motivated domestic extremism. Quote, we are sort of the lapdogs as the actual agents doing these sorts of investigations trying to find a crime to fit otherwise First Amendment protected activities. He said if they have a Gaston flag or they own guns or they are mean at a school board meeting, they're probably a domestic terrorist. The FBI denies that they're targeting people based on politics, but sadly, these revelations are the latest in a longstanding pattern of politicization and weaponization of the Justice Department under Biden and Merrick Garland. Last year, the administration previously came under fire for using the resources of the Department of Justice to target angry parents at school board meetings. Merrick Garland authorized the FBI to investigate parents, alleging a disturbing trend of teachers being threatened and harassed. Funny, I, haven't, I don't remember any cases at all of, of teachers being thrown to the ground at school board meetings and arrested. I do remember a parent up in Loudoun, Virginia, though, who was uh, that that happened to and because he was protesting the fact that his daughter had been accosted in a restroom by a young man who uh, was claiming that he had transgender transgender issues but I, I I can't in all honesty I cannot remember uh, any teachers being thrown to, thrown to the ground or administrators thrown to the ground and arrested at any of these school board meetings just saying so uh, even the whistleblowers are starting to look at the FBI and uh, say enough is enough. We're going to take another time out. Stay with us. More news and views coming right up. A collection of question marks. There's a lot of questions. Why? How? No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the what's, and the where's. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain to us. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in Friday's edition of News and Views. A Delaware judge ruled that a law-making vote-by-mail permanent election fixture in the state is unconstitutional. Now, Delaware introduced vote by mail during the COVID pandemic two years ago. In June, Delaware's legislature passed SB 320, providing registered voters the ability to request a mail-in ballot ahead of an election without the need for an excuse. Governor John Carney signed it into law on January the 22nd. Vice Chancellor Nathan Cook's ruling came Wednesday prohibiting mail-in voting in future general elections. At the time, Delaware's Speaker in the House, P. 
Peter Schwarzkopf, admitted the constitutionality of the bill was up for determination, according to a report. I don't know whether it's constitutional or not constitutional, and neither do you guys or anybody else in here, the speaker said, as he ended debate over the bill in June. The best way to get this thing done is to hear the bill, move forward, and let a challenge go to the courts. Let them decide. Delaware Republican Party Chairwoman Jane Brady and Republican Attorney General Candidate Julian Murray filed a lawsuit challenging the law's constitutionality. Vote-by-mail ballots were previously allowed while Delaware's COVID-19 state emergency was in place. The law also included an allowance for same-day registration in polling places when Cook ruled was, uh, that Cook ruled was constitutional. Meanwhile, voters who can't make it to the polls can ask for an absentee ballot. Cook's ruling has no bearing on Delaware's Tuesday primary election. You know, this is, um, again, you, you, you look back and uh, was, was, it, was it planned or was it just the liberal adage, never let a good crisis go to waste, which they, they didn't, whether or not it was planned out or not, I don't think it was, but they certainly saw an opportunity to change the rules and now they're trying to make those rules permanent. This judge says, no, you can't. But listen, there'll be a lot of, uh, I mean, this is, a, this is a local judge in Delaware that made this ruling. There'll be a lot of states in which they broke the rules in 2020 because of COVID. And their case will go before a liberal judge of some sort and he'll affirm it. So you will see a lot of states that their COVID protocols will now be permanent until they're no longer permanent. I mean, someone somewhere along the lines will take it before a conservative judge and it will, you know, I mean, there's a reason why we have the Constitution. The Constitution is the law. I mean, if, if it, that, that is the law of which all other laws are derived. And if it goes against the Constitution, it's going to get tossed. This next story is, I, I don't know if it makes you laugh or makes you cry or makes you scream. First kid, Hunter Biden, the guy with the uh, good-looking teeth that have rotted out because of his drug use, son of uh, Cousin Eddie. He is claiming in a new court filing, filing that he has fallen on tough times and he is unable to make child support payments to the stripper and mother of his child, London Roberts. They had an illegitimate daughter, Navy Joan Roberts. According to a court filing made in Independence County, Arkansas, lawyers for Hunter claim, quote, there's been a substantial material change in Hunter's financial circumstances, including but not limited to his income, such as the prior child support calculations is not in compliance with the previous order for child support. Evidently, Hunter's art career didn't ex- turn out like he thought it would be. Uh, apparently, his drug use was a little bit more expensive than he thought it would be. Apparently, he thought the $80,000 a year he was receiving from overseas, uh, that dried up. Apparently, the money from the Moscow former uh, wife of the Moscow uh, uh, mayor who paid him a million dollars, that's dried up. Apparently, the money he's gotten through all the deals he made over in communist China, that's dried up. And so he can no longer pay for the child that he has fathered. 
Quote, like many other individuals whose child support obligations were calculated before new guidelines took effect, Mr. Biden, Hunter that is, has asked the court to review the existing child support determination and to establish an amount of child support that complies with the current guidelines and circumstances. Now, I will say, you know, Cousin Eddie, Joe Biden, has said that Hunter is the smartest man he knows. So Joe obviously needs to get out and make some new friends. But wow, would would this lame brain Hunter Biden, I mean, would he not think through, let's see, what is less painful for me to pay the child support that I owe or to be exposed? Because, I mean, now now the attorneys for London Roberts have said, oh, we're going to bring you in for a deposition and we're going to ask all kinds of questions. I mean, this might be the most extreme it gets for Hunter Biden. I mean, they will ask him all kinds of questions about income. And of course, by the way, Hunter has got some uh, tax issues before him because a lot of these ill-gotten gains were not claimed on his tax returns. So as these depositions take place, yeah, they're going to get into pretty deeply his income. Where did his income come from and where did it go? I mean, the, the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars that Hunter Biden accumulated. And listen, he did sell a lot of artwork, cruddy artwork, but a lot of artwork for a lot of money. Where did it go? So you, would you not think Hunter would say, you know what? Okay, I don't like paying this money, but I'd rather pay it than be drugged through the mud and exposed for the cad that I am. We got to take another time out. We'll be right back. Back to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all-powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Uh, Donald J. Trump will be making, is it his sixth or seventh trip to eastern North Carolina since he announced his... uh, Run for the presidency in 2016. Just like I promised, right? Yeah, yeah he's back. He's back. Uh, if you want to go see Donald Trump's rally for Ted Budd one week from tonight, in fact, it'll be one week and about an hour from tonight that he will be in Wilmington taking the stage, go to donaldjtrump.com forward slash events for your tickets. This is a sad commentary, but it also is evidence as to why people think and vote like they do. We no longer have true civics classes anymore. You know, you no longer have to memorize the Gettysburg Address or the preamble to the Constitution, at least not in our government schools. This out of the Washington Times, less than half of Americans can name, and, and this, is, this, is, this is 101 stuff. Less than half of Americans can name the three branches of the federal government. We talk about it all the time, executive, legislative, and judicial. Perhaps that's why so many people, what's the big deal? When the judiciary is making decisions for the legislative branch, which they did when liberals in charge of the judiciary, I mean, that's how we got Roe v. Wade. And now we have the executive branch ignoring the conservatives on the Supreme Court And the executive branch, for that matter, basically, I mean, with Barack Obama, he came in and said, hey, I've got a I've got a phone and a pen. I can bypass Congress. Well, (laughs) according to the Constitution, you can't. 
less than half of Americans can name the three branches of government. Respondents to the Annenberg Public Policy Center's survey had little understanding of the impact of the Supreme Court rule of a Supreme Court ruling, and few could enumerate the freedoms guaranteed by the First Amendment. Quote, my impression is that even in prestigious universities, maybe 30% of all students could pass the civics test required of incoming immigrants, said Joseph Ellis, a Pulitzer Prize-winning constitutional historian. Mr. Ellis, who has taught history for 45 years, told the Washington Times in the study, it confirms his experience that today's college graduates don't know anything that happened before they were born. I mean, listen, if you change history... Uh, people are duped and they're bound to repeat the mistakes that were made. The ignorance of American history is one of the reasons this generation is so vulnerable to conspiracy theories from both right and left. Only 47% of the 1,113 adults surveyed by telephone from August 2nd to the 13th could name the three branches of government. That is pathetic. That's down from 56%, which is also prophetic, pathetic, who could identify the legislative, executive, and judicial branches in last year's Constitutional Day survey. Surely one cause is the COVID-19 pandemic, which led to learning loss. I think that's, you know, I mean, that might be a small fraction of it. But uh, he goes on to say, my best guess is it reflects the shift in education away from teaching mere facts to encouraging students to allegedly think for themselves. How do you think for themselves? How do you think for yourselves when you don't have the facts? If you're not taught the the basic facts, how can you think? You can't. You, You run on emotions. And that's what we have in this country right now. Without basic information, you can't think intelligently. Sad commentary. I tell you what, pay attention to where your kids are going to school and what they're learning. I don't care what government school it is. uh, They're going to have challenges. Pay attention to it. Hey, listen, have a great weekend. The weather's going to be perfect. We'll do it again Monday at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.